Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talked to the voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor. I know it still feels new to say that. We're talking about CFL rule changes on the podcast today and also talking to Daryl Fordyce of Valor FC. Their home opener is Sunday. We'll get you all set for the action on the podcast. We're going to talk now some Canadian football with the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor, who joins us now. Derek, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. I'm still baffled at the NFL draft. How do you take Trayvon Walker number one overall? I don't get it. <laughs> Why do you think that was a bad pick? Here's the thing. I mean, Walker didn't play a ton for Georgia compared to a guy like Aiden Hutchinson who goes number two. People say, well, Walker tested ridiculously. Aiden Hutchinson tested ridiculously, just that his arms are really stumpy. Like, that's what we're doing on a guy whose arms are three inches longer? Is that, is that what we're coming down to? I mean, there wasn't any – I don't know if there's anybody in this draft that gets you super jacked. Like, this isn't the elite draft of last year, for example. But I just don't get, you know, shooting the moon when you have a, an elite, elite athlete who's, who's shown some stuff at the college level. I don't, I don't get it. I could be totally wrong because all my bets were wrong in the NFL draft, but I just don't get it. But Derek, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've always made good decisions. Oh wait, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did draft a running back first over the first round last year. So yeah, that's yeah. that's fair. Yeah. So the rule, yeah. the rule. Let's talk Canadian football now. The rule changes that were announced yesterday by the Canadian Football League. The one that's been the most talked about because this was uh, foreshadowed for weeks that the hash marks would be getting narrowed. What do you think of that move? Do you like it as a fan of Canadian football? I'm fine with it. I just don't think it'll have the impact that people think it will. Uh, people have been talking about it, and I saw Mike O'Shea was talking about what's well, going to open up that wide side, and uh, you know it's going to get that that wide side wide receiver involved. And I honestly don't think that moving the hash mark in four yards is going to make that much uh, of a difference. Like that, that used to be at eight yards with what, 24 yards to the sideline, making it 41 yards to the far sideline. So now it's only 37 yards to the far sideline. I, again, that's not that much shorter of a throw. If you want to throw a deep out, uh, it, it didn't get a whole lot easier. So while I think it's, I think it's a decent idea in, in theory. I really don't think four yards is enough because the Canadian field is just so big that that wide side wide receiver is just, that's going to be a guy who gets lost in the, in the offense in your standard three receivers to one side, two receivers to the other side formation. I think the hash marks might have a bigger impact on the kicking game because now it's going to be a narrower margin to, to kick from because we saw Ali Murtada a number of times last year, kind of just kick it straight when he was on the, one of the side hashes and, and missing straight up. Yeah, so that's and, and that's a good one. Which which uh, someone asked me, why didn't they just do what the NFL does and make it the width of the goalpost in that case? And I thought well, that's actually that's a decent point. Why not just why throw another measurement into there? Uh, anything that that helps kickers, I mean, is potentially good. But are I kind of wonder if some of the problems in 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 football are because you know kickers are so amazingly good right now, like. Uh, guys hit 90%, and we go, oh, okay, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And now we get also some uh, some just, like, minor changes, like kickoffs are not going to start from five yards further back, and if you 
kick a field goal. The other team starts from five yards further up. Those are more minor. The 15-yard no-yard penalty, though. No more five mm-hmm. yards. They're all 15. Do you think that will free up the return game a little more? Are we going to get some some more exciting returns because players will be more apt to not tread closely to a returner to not get that penalty? Oh, in my mind, for sure. And that, that's what, when you see that and you see the thing with the punting, you go, okay, as much as the NFL is kind of trying to minimize returns, the CFL wants to absolutely maximize returns. Like, that, that it bounces and you just run in there and take a five-yard penalty. You could tell watching the game, no one, no coach really cared about giving up five yards, right? Guys would just have it right down. And as long as we didn't get that, we made it look like we're trying to get out of the, out of the, uh, the five-yard barrier. We're fine giving up that five yards because the potential for a return is, you know, 80 yards. I, I think it's going to have a, a huge impact because 15 yards, like there, there's an audible – uh, air gets let out of the, the home stadium when the, when the home team takes a 15-yard no-yard call. What's that guy doing? I can't believe you're so silly. Why was that punt so awful? Whatever the particular complaint is, that this one, yeah, this is one that I think is going to open it up. So a guy like Janarian Grant must look at that and go, oh, there's going to be some room for house calls here. Absolutely, and the Bombers with Janarian Jan- Grant. He just adds a different level of electricity to their return game when he was healthy last mm-hmm. year. It was was huge for them compared to what Charles Nelson was able to produce. Uh, one other rule change that I, I wasn't even – I didn't even know you couldn't do this before, but the the rule that you could have two quarterbacks now on the field as long as all ratio requirements are met. Did you know that yeah. wasn't allowed before? Yeah, and I knew you had to have one quarterback on the field, like one designated quarterback on the field at all times. But, yeah, it was only one because you think of – honestly, we, we all probably should have figured that, right? Because if, if it was possible to have two, how many things would Paul Lapalise have come up with in a Matt Nichols, Chris Strebler offense? Right? That could have been yeah. unbelievable. So uh, it's I, – I wonder what – I wonder who was screaming for that and what the impact is going to be, like – does Montreal put out Trevor Harris under center and throw a little, you know, a hit screen to Vernon Adams, you know, backwards at least, and then he can see what he can do because there's a guy who can make some plays. Um, does, uh, I, don't, I don't know how many teams are equipped to take uh, take advantage of that. Uh, well, Montreal's got Dominic Davis too. Maybe it's a Montreal Alouettes rule that we're going after here. But uh, that one, when it happens, that's going to be super cool. And maybe it was just an unnecessary restriction on offensive coordinators that they just went, you know what, there's no need for this rule, so let's just move it out. Right, and create the opportunity to have a trick play, maybe. We might see this happen once or twice this season, where there's two quarterbacks on the field. It's not going to be a, a big-time recipe for success, but if someone is able yeah. to design something and pull it off, it's going to be sick. Oh, but, but wait for defensive coordinators, because uh, Richie Hall can sidle over to Brandon Alexander and go, do you see a second quarterback out there and he's a receiver? You up him off the line. Like you hammer him at the line of scrimmage. You make him feel it. Uh, it's, it's going to, it's going to weigh in a couple of times, right? Cause Buck Pierce can put some stuff together. Of course, Lapalise can put some, Jason Moss in Saskatchewan will certainly have something ready to go for that because uh, you know, like the 2019 West final where Saskatchewan tries the kooky punt return late in the game. Someone's going to have that in their in their pocket that they haven't showed for the first 
21 weeks of the season and then all of a sudden try to defend this and it's going to be it, it i think you're right in that just a couple of times but it could be a neat a, a neat little tweak so are there any rule changes that you personally would want to see in the cfl right now um i i like i would make one change to the ratio i, I feel like we're gonna we're, we're starting to end up with uh I mean, we're starting to end up with a lot of Canadians on offense and no Canadians on defense. Uh, the Bombers had a lot of times last season where it was Jake Thomas and 11 Americans, right? There'd be rotational guys, but it was Jake and 11 Americans. And you go, what about Canadian defensive players? What about Canadian linebackers coming up? What about, you know, it used to be safety was a Canadian position, but gosh, at least four teams uh, went full-time American there. I would love to see some sort of division. I've seen, you know, Farhan Lalji talking about at least three on each side of the ball. I think maybe that's the that's would be a nice way to go because Chris Jones in Edmonton is going to try to go all American on offense. They let their Canadian defensive ends, apart all, all all Canadian all American on defense. If I can get that together, they let their Canadian defensive ends walk in free agency um, as much as they might draft a defensive player. I really think. Uh, I really think we need to kind of even this out, and you know, I don't want to. I don't want a spot where a Canadian defensive back at, at the university level goes, "Oh yeah, they don't. They're not going to want me unless I put on 25 pounds and become a special teams linebacker." I I, I think maybe that's the way, but and uh, I mean, I hate the punt single and the missed field goal single. Get rid of those, burn them to the ground. But that's that's something I've been stumping on for many many years. So I'll just keep my fight up with that. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of people that want to keep that because it's kind of a quintessential part of the Canadian Football League dating back so many years that we have the rouge, right? And the, the NFL doesn't yeah. have that. But yeah, I under I, I'm kind of on your side on that one. We, we we know the there's talk about the naturalized Canadian rule that could be part of the CBA negotiations that are ongoing. Mike O'Shea and Kyle Walters were asked about that yesterday, and they're like, Well, that's not the competition committee, that's a collectively bargained thing, and that's what it is. And yeah. so uh, it, the, basically, for those who don't know, it's an American that's been on a team for a while. Someone like Jamarcus Hardrick or Stanley Bryan, who's been here a long time, can be designated a, a Canadian because it would encourage people to stay in one spot for more than mm -hmm. a year or two years, try to address the the glut of one-year contracts. Do you see that as something that's probable to happen in the CFL, if not this year, in the near future? Oh, I, I think it, I think it absolutely is. I, there needs to be some sort of reward for guys, right? Um, uh, I mentioned Brandon Alexander earlier. A guy who's been with the Bombers for a long time. There should be some sort of reward for a guy who's been with. The old plan was four years with one team or five years in the league, something like that. Uh, the thing is, you, you can't have them, in my mind, replace a Canadian straight up, as Hamilton got got busted for doing in a game. You need to you need to keep your seven Canadians and then. Basically, here's you need ten Canadians, uh, of which three can be naturalized if we're going to if we want to use that word. So three Americans that can count as Canadians, but you need to not have them be able to bench a Canadian, and you need to not take them out of the starting lineup. So if you want to increase it to ten Canadians plus naturalized ones, of which seven must be, you know, fully Canadian by the current rules, all in favor of that because we we do need some way to reward veteran American players for their commitment to, to coming up to the CFL and being good ambassadors for, for the game and honestly for our city too. So I, I think, I think there's definitely something that, that they can, that can be done in there.
it's a delicate balance of trying to strike that with not eliminating Canadian jobs, right? Well, and, and that's the thing. You need to absolutely preserve the Canadian ones. The, the thing that will be interesting to see is if that, if that did take hold, we, we, you've seen it, guys beefing about, well, American players get paid this and Canadians who aren't as good as me get paid twice as much as me. Maybe this helps veteran American players get a little more money because they fit, the, they fit this new quota that the Canadian Football League would want. Maybe there's some, some benefits in that. It's just we need to – any thought that we're getting rid of Canadian roster spots, we need to just stop talking about that because, for me, that's an absolute non-starter. So since I last had you on the show, the Bombers have made a number of additions to the roster, mostly guys on the edges to fight for spots at training camp or be on the practice roster. But Jalen Saunders was one that caught a lot of people's attention, receiver who has not played in the CFL for a number of seasons because of injury. And uh, he was in a car crash last year that kept him out of the season with Ottawa. He was Hamilton's best receiver back in 2017. What do you look for from Saunders heading into training camp this year? Do you think he's someone that can crack the roster? It's it's going to be hard, right? Because you mentioned 2017 was that was last time he played. Like he, it's been a long time since Jalen Saunders saw the field. So you, you add that to he had a season-ending injury, so he missed nine games, and then the year off, and then he was going to go to Ottawa in a vicious car crash, which. And, you know, he didn't even have a chance to play. I, I, I'm just, the first week of camp, I'm going to watch and see how he runs and how he cuts and how he moves. Because if, if he's in a good spot, he's a guy who was very effective with the waggle. He could run the deep routes. It, it, Hamilton had guys to clean up the underneath stuff, but Jalen Saunders could push it. So you, you have a, a situation where um, someone's got to go out at wide receiver, but you would have Greg Ellingson, you would have Jalen Saunders, and you would have Rasheed Bailey three guys who can play those those two slot back spots very effectively. And I mean, for, for a team that has some big time and big, big price tag stars to be able to get a guy like Jalen Saunders. And if it works, you've hit a home run. And if it doesn't work, you didn't really lose anything. I love that move from the Bombers. And, and I just, I just hope Jalen's ready to play because he, like you said, he was an impact player in that Hamilton team. Excited to make your way to Winnipeg soon. Oh my God! You can't even imagine. Oh God! I'm just we we had a meeting today. We're you and I are both in the same meeting, yep. seeing all these faces and hearing Kelly Moore's voice talking about stuff and and seeing your face for the first time. I've been on your show a bunch of times, and I'm like, oh, that's what Christian looks like, and that's what his apartment looks like. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I I am so jacked to start to get started on Monday and then jump right into both drafts on Tuesday, both the Canadian and the global draft. It's gonna be a lot of fun, Derek. Appreciate your time for this, and we'll. Uh... Be in touch a lot over the next, I don't know, five months. That sounds pretty good to me. Let us flip ahead now to Sunday afternoon as Valor FC will host Forge FC in its home opener kickoff, 1.30 p.m. One of the men you'll see out on the pitch is Daryl Fordyce, who joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Daryl, how excited are you for the home opener this weekend? Yeah, come in again. Get, uh, get going for the home opener to see all our fans again. I haven't seen them in a while. For you heading into this season to start with uh, three road games, is that a long time before playing your first home match? Yeah, well, uh, you've got to play home and away. You know, they all even out in the end. Um, 
But I think if we had had a few home games a few week, a few weeks back, I think they might have been cancelled with the weather. Um, so it's worked out. It's worked out pretty well for us. So you you have a draw in Edmonton, a loss at at Pacific, and then a six one win in Ottawa on Sun this past Sunday. You got a win, a draw, and a loss. Perfect one one and one across the board there. How would you evaluate your three match your team's three match start to the season? Yeah, well, the, the first game away to Edmonton, you know, we controlled the game and we conceded in the last minute from a, a spectacular goal. Edmonton scored, you know, one of those fake goals. Um, all credit to the, the Edmonton player that scored it. You know, so we came away from there thinking, feeling like we lost the game because we, we felt we should have won. Then the second game away to Pacific, um, we got a man sent off after 25 minutes. So we played the majority of the game with a man down, um, and and we drew or sorry we lost three two. But um, after the game, as he says to the, the players, you know another team would have folded and, and lost five six or seven, and it will just make us stronger going forward. And then last week, you know we went out to Ottawa. Everyone was expecting us, you know maybe to lose the game or, or to get a draw at best. But the first two games we played well. You know the the boys put in great shifts. Um, and then we, we beat Ottawa 6-1. So it just shows you the, the attacking ability that we have in, in the squad. You know, very, very exciting. Really exciting just to, just to play with some of these players. So you go up against Forge, who's coming off a 3-0 win over Edmonton. Obviously one of the, the premier teams of the Premier League here in Canada. They've won championships before. Also drew Cavalry earlier this season and lost to Pacific. How do you match up with Forge this weekend? Yeah, Forge are a top team for sure. You know they've they've won the league, uh, won the championship twice out of the three years going. Um, they've got a lot of strength and depth right through their squad. Um, top quality players. You know it, it's going to be a tough game for sure. But um, it was the same as last year. They they were the team to beat last year. I know Pacific won the championship last year, but. Forge were the team they beat, and we managed to beat them three times in the league. You know, so um, as I said, we can beat anyone in this league, but obviously, Forge are, are another level than what Ottawa are, uh, um, in my opinion. You know, so it's going to be very, very tough on Sunday, but um, if we can put in the same performance as last week, then there's no problems that we can win the game. As you heard in the weather forecast before, had yawn. Sunday's rain and a high of four. Sound like soccer weather to you? Yep, I'm from Ireland, and that's exactly what we play in every every week. So it's no problem. Um, it was it was actually colder than that when we played Edmonton. So um, living in Canada, we're, we're we're used to it now. How does it change a match when it's when it's wet compared to when it's, you know, warmer and dry, well, how does that change a, a game, a, the style of play or does it at all? Yeah. Well, the, the ball will move a lot quicker. Um, it depends if you're on, on turf or grass, obviously ours is turf. So whenever it's a hot day and the pitch is dry, then, you know, the ball holds up a little bit different. So you can play different passes. You can have different strategies. Um, you know, if you're, if you're going a little bit more direct, um, over the back, over the back line with a longer pass, the ball's going to stay in play. Whereas if it's if it's wet and you play the same ball, then most likely it's going to it's going to skid through to the goalkeeper or skid off the pitch. Um, but 
whenever the pitch is well, it means you can you can make your passes a little bit more quicker um, and, and you can break lines a little bit better uh, working your way up the pitch. And especially for, for players that dribble with the ball, when when the pitch is wet, you know, the ball just moves smoothly for them. So they can run at players, take them all a little bit better. Um, whereas a drier pitch, you know, it, it might be a little bit sticky um, in between their feet. So yeah, it can change. It can change a lot, but uh, you, you just got to play the play what's in front of you and, and, and deal with what's there. So Vasta, what you thought of the team's performance the first three matches? What have you th- thought of your play so far? Um, I, I don't really analyze my play to be honest. I just personally, I just get on with it and move on to the next game. You know, it's like after our games, I'll I get on the plane. I've got the video of the, the team we're playing next, and I'll watch their game and just get a just get a view of of what I'm up against the following week. Um, so yeah, I just get on with my own my own game and and let the younger boys win as the game, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really dwell on things. I don't really um, get too excited if we win six one or get too down if we lose a game. You know, it's for me. It's just on to the next, on to the next game and and see where it takes us at the end of the season. So you don't use film to look at mistakes and try to correct them. You just move on. The coaches do that for me. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the coaches will have video analysis. Um, then we come in and you know if you've made a mistake, they'll they'll highlight it in front of the players. So uh, you're fully aware of your, the mistakes that you've made. Um, I guess uh, with my age now, I'm 35, so I can I can have a mental picture of the mistakes that I already made beforehand, and and know right there and then that I, that I made a mistake. But yeah, the coaches do that for us. They'll you, you know they'll call us out for sure in front of the players with a video. Is that a fun conversation to have? It's a it's a conversation that's needed. Um, you know, so I guess last week. Uh, I'll throw a name out there, Alessandro Ricci. Um, Ricci, get on the end of one of the the videos from Phil. Um, there wasn't a, a it was wasn't a, a pleasant conversation the two of them were having to be honest. And the next game, uh, Ricci goes out and scores two goals and has a fantastic game. Um, so yeah, it, it's conversations and, and videos that need to be had. Um, you know, so you sort of have to have a little bit of a tough skin to take it, uh, because it does make you better in the end. Well, Daryl, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks very much for this, and uh, best of luck in your home opener this weekend. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me on. Daryl Fordyce of Valor FC. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect.